Welcome back to an all new podcast episode of Super Metal Brothers, where we look towards the future, but not so far that we can't see today. I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And I'm Super Metal Brother Dan. Getting a little bit excited on the uh, last week, I saw Darkane. They're teasing a uh, tour, and I haven't heard anything from these guys in like three years. So I'm, you know, pulling it all out. You guys will know I'm a fan by the end of the show. So what a way to start off this week in the uh, podcast, Danny. Yeah, true, but we've been burnt before with bands saying they're touring, so just mm. just don't start getting too emotional now, though. That emotion will turn to tears very shortly. That's exactly right, guys. But you came here for one reason and one reason only, to hear what Daniel has to say about you know the current events in metal. I'm also here to get used to it. We're Tonight, we are talking about underrated musicians. We review the latest Big Ruth Adam Adam. Yeah, I didn't know who they were either. So <laughs> Adam is A D A M. That's right, it is plural. It's way more satanic that way, or should we say Sanctus? Is it? Ah, uh, Satus. Yeah, yeah, Satus. Or hell, Satus. Whatever that means. But first, let's talk the news. Kicking things off right away is a little bit of excitement. We are talking about a possible new band being started. This has got ex-members from God forbid, Devil Driver, Divine Heresy. And uh, they unite in Bad Wolves, an awesome amalgamation, I would say, of bands. Danny, are you pretty familiar with some of those ones? Nah, not particularly. No. I am. So <laughs> let me talk about it for a little while. God forbid, probably one of the most original and definitely uh, forward-thinking metalcore bands going out there. They were quite evil, but at the time, which was saturated with a lot of bands like, obviously, Kill Switch Engage and Bullet For My Valentine and stuff. These guys were bringing in more of a uh, poignant sound with a bit more Satan in it, without referring to it, obviously. They even have Jeff Loomis on a track, which is... Gives you a 10 out of 10 in my book. Devil Driver, Thrash Metal. Again, these guys got that deathy Thrash Metal. And Divine Heresy, which is just insane. Just basically like, you know, you've practiced 12 hours a day. Not enough. Practice another 12 hours a day. These guys, these three bands are very, very heavy. Get me a little bit excited. But again, are we expecting something like Dragonlord or something unnecessary like Kill or Be Killed? You know, the guys from... Um, a Dillinger Escape Plan got together. It was a super group. Everyone was touting it. I think even the guy from Macedon was in it. It was like literally some of the best musicians in metal come together, pop metal. Couldn't yeah. believe it. I mean, it's how it always happens. You think, oh, you have the best elements of each team together makes the better team, but it's it's never the case because they have their different styles and different flares and what they like. So how do you guys from different style bands come together to form one styled band? It's quite interesting. But even the name Bad Wolves, it just sounds like, like an 80s action movie, like a B-grade 80s action movie, like with... I know Frank Stallone starring it or something. Yeah, I know. Even their promo shot is literally like, envision that, um, you know, that big shed that every generic band metal uses with that blackish gray filter on top of it to and shot from underneath. You know, you've already seen what the band looks like already just from the vague image I gave you because you've seen it in probably every single metal band before. Yeah. Not bad thing though. I'm I'm not saying it's reflecting in their music. I'm just saying that there are some warning signs and we have been hit by our spouses before. Yeah, true. But if they're gonna call themselves Bad Wolves, hopefully their first CD doesn't have any like references to like Red Riding Hood or like the the title track is when good dogs go rabid or something like that. You just, I'm just expecting like really cliche I things. I don't think metal, I don't think that metal band is like a cliche of a cops episode or something. But <laughs> uh, you know, Alice in Wonderland metal like Disney, uh, it hasn't been done before. Is there a reason? Who yeah, knows? There is a reason. But even Bad Wolves, like I think from memory, I saw on the uh, article the way he's written is like the old '80s like scratching crayon type. Uh, wording font so that it just it just reeks of like Van Dance would come to a crescent kick on the front cover type thing as long as it's like awesome badass music that Vod Van Dam could do a crescent yeah. kick towards or Steven Seagal even though he doesn't run anymore because he's pretty fat <laughs> maybe get a pure cue and get the villains to come to him while he stabs him in the neck why do they always take Steven <laughs> To go to a bar where there's a pool table. Common enemies, why would you do this? Just like, no, we're going to take this outside. He's like, are you sure? Yeah, <laughs> yeah there's no pool cues outside. Yeah, no, 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 it's raining. It's raining, guys. Uh, anyway. Puddle of mud, Wes Scatlin berates drummer, walks off stage. Now, we see this guy. I don't know if you've seen the footage, Dan, but he basically is on stage. He's singing one of the songs. Then he kind of stops. He goes uh, to where the drummer is, says something that we can't actually hear, walks off the stage. Fans are bu- uh, you know, bemused or amused, C-mused even. Yeah, I think F-mused in a second. Yeah. <laughs> does he need help? Is he like on the tethering end of being a breakdown or does he need just new bandmates? Well, no, because apparently he's done this before. So, yeah, he's um he's apparently walked off stage before and he's caused other controversies. C's, E's, B's, B's, F's, controversies, yeah, F's. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so for him to do it after four songs in, he again decides to leave stage. I mean, geez, just, can't you just like work push through for this one more thing 
and then behind the stage go offer your band mates you have to do it during a gig so I don't know it could be troubles uh, it's the willingness of bands to uh, stick with the singer they might not love him they might even not be able to work with him but for some reason they stick with him so who knows what's going to happen you know, we'll see if we can cover this more on but I think uh it might be uh, the Betty Ford clinic for this one, I'd imagine, Danny. Oh, you can't afford that. As a musician. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe we just get the Betty part of it, <laughs> the Betty clinic. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> can't afford to Ford. Ron Bumblefoot Thal, the relationship is over between him and Guns N' Roses. He's happy to leave the band. I don't know if anyone's too upset with Slash being in there now. The two most iconic members of the band were Slash and uh, Mr. Redhead himself. Axel. Mr. Guns N' Roses himself, Axel Rose. Axel you know, he's trademarked the name now, so he kind of runs the ship. Uh, yeah, did anyone really care? Look in the end, uh, Guns of Roses is not going to be a long-time project. I think after this tour, I don't think Axel and Slash are going to write any more music together. So, oh, they might do, but I just don't think they will. And so, yeah, he was only just a fill-in, and that's pretty much your part, man. Yeah, I'd imagine what one thing was interesting from the article was he actually talked a little bit about Axel and says that he's actually being... Um, the media's not giving him a fair go. You know, he's not always that negative. They're putting the thing on a negative light all the time. I mean, it's hard to see you now what when we're covering stories when he's like getting people to go pick up his jacket from another country and stuff yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. you know. Um, you know, even stories with uh, Metallica and that, you know. I've, I think uh, there are some. I think there's some legitimate reasons not to like him, but yeah. uh, apparently there's some legitimate reasons to like him. I and mean, that could be true, but at the same time, this guy here does want to piss off an ex-employer just in case the day comes where he wants to work for him again. Yeah, so you got you to take that consideration. You know, don't don't. It, it really looks like, yeah, he's got one foot in that door of just being like, nah, it's all politics, man. And life is politics, but uh, we're not politics with them, so I don't think we have to worry about I it. I can neither agree or disagree with that comment. <laughs> Dan's got two feet. He's got his hand in the window. He's like, let me in, boss. I'm sitting on the fence. The fence is so wide, there's no chance of me falling off it, mate. Tall building, that one. Uh, Anvil's frontman doesn't believe there will be a follow-up documentary. Now, we've watched that movie, haven't we? The, Anvil's, the story of Anvil. Yeah. If you don't know who Anvil is, Danny, what's the best way of describing this band to new fans of the show or, or to the band? Yeah, Anvil was a thrash metal band from Canada back in the 80s. And they actually were pretty much on the brink of making it massive back then. But you know they were playing with like Metallica and White Snake, all these massive bands opening up for them, playing festivals, all the bells and whistles. But fortunately, they just never really took off to that level. They started to die off a bit. Then they made a bit of resurgence only about five to ten years ago. Uh, apparently, the uh, director or the producer of this documentary actually used his own money to fund this documentary, mm. which made it why it actually got put off the ground. So from then on, this documentary got made. It was quite a decent documentary. I think it won some awards, and uh, even like in these like Cannes film festivals, did quite well. And it resurged Anvil, and they toured uh, around yeah, the world. Yeah, it again. really can show that even the biggest giants can can fall and fall. They did, you know. They went to back to. From playing in front of like 20, 30, 40,000 people, you know, they were playing in big, big numbers. They were even lit as the inspirations to some of the biggest metal bands of all time. I think even Anthrax uh, threw them a mention. However, they went to playing gigs where they weren't getting paid and stuff like yeah. that. They had to threaten uh, owners of bars uh, physically uh, to, to give them the reparations that they deserved. It's a really interesting story, but the sequel, apparently there's 40 minutes of footage. And uh, again, it has to be funded by the producer again if it comes off the ground. He's claiming the producer still hasn't received the uh, money back from the uh, the first movie, so he still hasn't even broke even yet. Yeah, troublesome times, man. It's almost like this band is cursed, almost. Well, it could be that. Like, I think Lips is the lead singer of this band. Yeah. Ever he even said that the music industry and the movie industry is quite similar, where no one's paying for movies or DVDs anymore. So, forty made for DVD for documentaries, people don't want to fund it because there's no return. Even though it costs bugger all to make a documentary, people just put them on YouTube and steal them because you're not going to pay full price for a documentary you'll see once. And I'd imagine Steve Kudlow might have a point and maybe it might be the same with what happened with Netflix that they do the same with iTunes where they put all the stuff on there and you pay a subscription fee to listen to music. I don't know how it's going to work because I don't know if they will receive any money out of it. But um, yeah, the internet is taking off and uh, people are smart and they're too smart to buy albums. But uh, what they really are is too dumb because it kills the industry, man. Oh, these, yeah. the, if you want these bands to come out and surface and tour, there's only one way, man, and that's putting your money where, you, where your mouth is. So uh, best of luck, you know, lesson learned. So move on to Merciful Fate. Now, the uh, I think King Diamond's come out with an interview about backward tapes, human skulls, and table football, right? Did you get to read the article, Danny? Yeah, it's a long article. Apparently, it's to do with the German who works for Team Rock, uh, went to interview Merciful Fate, pretty much King Diamond back in like the 80s. and his experience to hang out with Merciful Fate and pretty much King Diamond. They're saying King Diamond's 
pretty much as a Satanist as you can get. Like he legit does not use like lights. He only uses candles because he says uh, lights scare away the uh, spirits, as he was to put it. Uh, he has like a black altar. He's got upside down crosses everywhere. Uh, yeah, this guy is pretty much a, he's got a black Bible apparently, <laughs> whatever that means. Yeah. Yeah, so this guy is pretty much the, the real deal. And funny enough, after all hearing all these stories about Satan and all these dark arts, the story that got me the most was where he got the name King Diamond. Apparently, he was just brainstorming one day in his first band. Now, while in Brainstorm, he got it in his first band, but he can't actually remember why he chose it. That's so weird. I'm just like, that is amazing. You know, more stories like that, please. Yeah, what happened? He probably literally got possessed by like a spirit. <laughs> you shall be known as King Diamond. I shall be known as King Diamond. <laughs> he wakes up, oh, I'm King Diamond, sweet ass. Yeah, maybe an acid trip. Maybe he was bet by Satan himself. Who knows, right? Satus, Satus, man. Bad news, Danny. Ivan Moody says he's leaving Five Finger Death Punch. Wait, after- wait what did you say, Matt? Wait, what did you say? Yeah, I have Moody. After a crossroads, and this is his words, it's time for him to take his way out and do something else. So after a year, he's joining Villain. No, it's only true, Matt. I can't believe he's leaving. Hey, Dan, new story. Oh, man, no, wait. Wait, I can't believe he left. Go on. I have Moody. Says he's not leaving Five Figure Death Punch. Oh, what? (laughs) He's not? Yeah. Apparently, they're taking out of context. Apparently, the sentence saying that uh, he's done with one band and he's going to do his new band villain, it was taking out of context. Oh, shit. That was the most scary eight seconds of my life, man. I think I I took a year off. Basically, it's saying I'm taking a hiatus. I mean, I I love my girlfriend. I love being with her. I just can't be with her right now. So I'm going with my new girlfriend. And hey, I I don't really understand how the the fans can't see it as anything else. You know, it's, uh, you know, he got frustrated, you know. Him and his bandmates believed that the album they released and the touring they did last year should have received better from the fans. It didn't. So here they are now at a crossroad and he's decided to uh, do what uh, I guess anyone desperate enough would do and see if they can get a better deal somewhere else. Yeah, you never know. Testing your waters a bit, making making his own super group on the side, you know, just get a bit of extra cash on the weekend. So, ah, look, why not? It's his choice. If it works out to be great, it'll be great. Yeah, I'd imagine a lot of fans would have uh, had a heart attack for the uh, 3.7 seconds this article yeah. first appeared and then appeared afterwards, I'd I imagine. Like eight hours after or something, they pretty much um, retracted that statement, released another statement, saying, no, 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 you misquoted me. But to be fair, like it, it you could easily understand where these journalists came from. Because you said, like, oh, you know, we've, we've, we've done what we needed to do, now it's time to do other things. Mm. Yeah, that type of... Um, Type of reference or that type of like syntax to his conversation, you kind of automatically think, yeah, 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 he's he's leaving the band, but it wasn't. I think you're correct, man. I think it's a hiatus. Yeah, both both stories. Uh, for my reaction, was a emphatic, a energetic, and a definitely passionate sigh of a, oh, you know, to either one. <laughs> he's leaving the band. Okay, okay. Oh, he's joined the band. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, we'll take it for what it is. That's uh, the stories on Five Finger Death Punch. Yeah, unless it's like. Brilliant, like maybe maybe we don't know this, but Five Finger Death Punch are actually on the stock exchange, so they purposely like plant the markets to make a bit of a profit. So yeah, so they they kind of like buy sell all their stocks just before they leave the band, and then he leaves the band. They quickly buy all their stocks back, before, and then he says, "No, nah, he's back in the band." Like ah, oh, nice. shit. They probably had to move. sell some old merch. Like oh, we're, we're done. Here's some old merch. Oh, all these fans bought. Nah, just kidding. Uh, and they're like, oh, "I'm gonna kill you, son yeah. of a bitch." Iron Maiden fans somehow immune to self consciousness epidemic. Basically, I don't know, it seemed like a legit thing because it was having a dig at Iron Maiden fans or Iron Maiden themselves, but so it probably it. wasn't. You loved it straight away, man. I was like, oh, wow, <laughs> this must be true. But really, it's about how uh, a bunch of people who just can't follow the trends because they just drink beer, they eat pies, they have bad hygiene, and they have wives, I guess. Yeah, they're their own trend. And yeah. They just, they just skip these trends out. And like cyclic cycles, all trends and fashions come back, so they'll become the trend eventually. That's where we're at right now. I mean, you get to pay at least seven times the amount for a metal jumper that you can't read the logo for than you could 10 years ago. I mean, you know, yep. why not be in a price market with fashion? And these guys have like got all their stuff back in the 70s. They'd be loving life. What an investment. They keep them at vintage. And they were made quality back then. For them to last from the 70s, but those guys wore those jackets and those jeans every day those Asher Wash jackets, and they're still lasting, so that's quality, mate. That's right. You take a black uh, shirt home from like Coles or something these days, by the time you get home, it's grey and it's a piece of bread. Yeah, there's a warning at the back saying, do not expose to wind. <laughs> it just falls apart. Don't, do not wash. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks there, shirt. Um, we want to give our shout-out to uh, Metalhead of the Week. This week, it is internal bleeding drummer and firefighter. He died after falling five stories by battling a blaze. This one goes out to William Tolley. Uh, you know the band is cut up zero words to describe his loss he was a good and decent honourable man who has loved friends and uh, give him a shout out you know uh, brave thing he did 
And uh, unfortunately, it's uh, way before his time, especially in a band that he was in. So, but devastating. It is very devastating. I think his band said they actually got a tour in memory for him for, I guess, oh, a couple of months, whatever yeah. it was. So that, that, that's quite nice to send him off. It'd be quite nice. I mean, whoever has played drums for that band, it'd be a bit of a somber occasion. Maybe a family member of his could do it, or maybe they might just use a drum machine just to um, have him up there. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I mean, how are we going to bounce back from such a sad story? Oh, I know. How about we do something incredibly controversial, Danny? Whoa. Uh, Life of Agony's Mina Caputo. I am just a woman born without a uterus. That's right. She's a woman born without a uterus. Great point. Did you know, Dan, my car is just an airplane, but just doesn't have any wings attached? Oh, is that how it works? Yeah. And my girlfriend is Elle McPherson. She's she's in another state. She doesn't know I exist. And every time she does, she denies that we're in a relationship. I just call her a boyfriend-a-phobe because she's just neglecting my relationship status. They're just jokes, people, all right? I know, like, we're getting the way we are in the political correctness culture. You can identify the way you want, but I uh, couldn't, couldn't help myself. Yeah, you love debate people. For uh, things. I, I guess, love yeah, it. That's, I mean, it's quite, it's one of those things where born a man, five years ago, sorry, he's not a man anymore, and now changed his name to be a female name. The funny thing is, it's actually transitioned over 10 years. It's kind of like, when you just transition, like, in a second, like, no, nah, I'm a girl now, and that's it. Nah. It's cool. Just be a girl. Yeah, yeah. Be whatever really you want to be. She's kind of like went on a rant tangent saying like you have to f society and rah rah, and it doesn't do that. So like, I guess she wouldn't care what I have to say about it, right? Because I'm the way I am, right? And you're the way you are. She's the way she is, or he is, whatever. It doesn't matter, right? We're not here to judge, so we're gonna link just fine, right? That's fine. Yeah. All right, we're gonna All keep right. we're gonna keep swinging punches now with soil work. We've got Bjorn, who's uh, he can get sick of the metal scene sometimes. Yeah, this one there's like clickbait articles. Got me. Know? I yeah, hooked line and sinker. Well. Yeah. I was like, all right, here we are. What's me? What are you doing, man? You're not giving up, are you? And it's not really what he's pretty much saying is that he's he's not really overly inspired by the talent coming through at the moment. It's kind of same same, and he yeah, and that's why he does. He's just a bit sick to metal because he's just sick. There's not enough diversity or not enough people taking risks. Well, he's got a good point because he, like a lot of bands that tour endlessly, he would have seen a lot and heard a lot of metal bands. And I guess he's kind of like hit that point in his life where he's just heard so many things that might even just sound similar. You know, I think when you're on the road and touring so much and hearing metal, I mean, we listen to metal sometimes for like a festival. And even after that, it could be quite fatigued. You know, you just you just get tired, right? Yeah. So I imagine for someone like him, you know, uh, he doesn't really see anything innovative coming through the ranks. But when he does, he gets quite passionate and excited by it you know and he kind of threw out some bands that he was passionate about so if you guys want to check it out go ahead you know see read the interview but um you know he's doing a lot he's in that side project band now which is kind of like singing he's kind of a throwback to the 80s so uh you know people getting plenty of bjorn it's not it's not uh, different for him he's always on side projects anyway so good for him yeah he's a bit of a gun for high he's done a lot of fillings we did Allegiant last year and he did a track for them yep which is a bit silly because that's kind of the best track of the album so mm, trying yeah. to try how he started tour and playing with the guest vocalist, guest musician, you can't actually replicate the yeah. album. Disharmonia Mundi again, he was kind of on that and he kind of killed it. Like his presence is just so strong. He's such a very talented musician that he kind of crushes it. But we're not here to talk about that. Oh. We're here to talk about obviously he didn't like it. But we like you, Bjorn. Keep at it. Mike Portnoy says he's too busy to rejoin Gene. He's not too busy, sorry. Mike Portnoy says he's not too busy to rejoin Dream Theater on the Images and Words Beyond Tour. The tour is basically Dream Theater playing through their whole entire CD as a, I think it's commemoration of 25 years yeah, of being out. I think so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, he was the original drummer, but he actually got, uh, I guess you could say kicked out because there was a time in the a point of Dream Theater, the progressive metal band from the States, that uh, he wanted to be a part of this band, but he wanted to take a break, but the band wasn't prepared to. So it was kind of like, well, you can leave and we're going to keep going. And then he's kind of fine with it. But uh, I think now he's starting to just regret that a little bit and just try and get back in that, uh, get his foot back in the door as we were talking before. Yeah, exactly right. Because he um, came out, oh, who knows when, not that long ago, maybe six months ago or so, and said uh, yeah, he's very busy and he, he's got a lot of side projects going on. And, and then the uh, Tree Theatre, I think, guitarist or like he was at the time said oh yeah uh, Mike is a bit too busy at the moment for us you know to do anything with him but he kind of laughed when he said it it's kind of like yeah, yeah, yeah. and Paul and he's come back recently and said no no I've got, I've got 87 side projects but I'm never too busy I can always fit more stuff in so he, he sounds he's coming across desperate now he's coming mm -hmm. across that Mike just, just let it go they'll call you if they need you but just put the phone down and walk away from it. he's got to do what you do when um, you know you see those romantic comedies right I know for some of you guys out there or girls, you might not have seen them in your fall, but let me tell you about the, the formula, right? What you want to do is like, because what happens at the start of them, they thought they're obsessed, right? They're in love, but then they get rejected, right? So they keep trying to fight back and do it. 
But eventually what they do is they find someone else and they put them more in time and energy because they're being themselves. They learn that stupid story arc where they end up, they, they, they find out who they really are. Then someone else gets attracted to them. Then that person that first attracted to gets dumped by the uh, quarterback that plays in the football college team. And, uh, you know, then they want him back. But it's too bad because the guy's like, nah, I've got someone else. And I'm having a happy life again, right? So what my point is to do is just be in a bigger band and just completely forget about it. Dream Theater will be like, oh man, you know what? You know who was that good drummer? Mike Portnoy. Let's let's see if he just wants to come back for a tour. You know what I mean? He's he's just got to cut that off, man. Goes back to the end of the movie, and you see Mike up there with his new band, like yeah! shredding it, man, it's up a, on the stage. And then the, and then the dream theater goes, Mike, we want you back in a band. And by that stage, yeah! Mike's gone over. He's like, No, I don't need you anymore. I'm my own man again. And it's just f off. And the end. I know. But at the end of it, like Petrucci and all the guys, they jump into the mosh pit and they all start dancing. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're happy for him. And then Mike Portnoy looks at the band, looks at the and looks at the like, woo! And his dog, which ran away from home, comes back. Oh, that's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Grandmother, back to life. Oh, best romance comedy ever. We, write that we need to make this happen. So make sure you jump on our Facebook wall and we might start a Patreon right now about it and see if we can get this thing off the ground, yeah. man. We, we can't talk to the Anvil ex-producer for any more money. <laughs> He's run out. So we'll, we'll, we'll make it work. That's right. So, you know, this is a foolproof plan. So make sure, uh, you know, get behind it and we'll see what we can't do. Let's finish this off with a couple more stories before we get into the meat of it. Uh, All That Remains, the band All That Remains, uh, he believes that uh, singer... Believes that they're pushing the boundaries of what is acceptable for a metal band. A lot of bands throw together a bunch of riffs, and they're like, "That's a song." But uh, the band, these, these guys, believe that uh, they didn't want to look at it like that. We wanted to have some real dynamic stuff and some songs that really take you on a journey. Uh, is this a way of selling, uh, like the uh, whole thing? I guess we watched a bit of Dave Chappelle, and he put it the best way: is that we're living right now in a world that spins everything. You know what I mean? We're living in a in a side of that. Uh, you just need to sell the idea, the truth can get you know the truth you know what's the truth right put it in a way where people get confused planned parenthood remember that yeah he was saying how um if you plan parenthood then you won't need an abortion right because you planned it but they called it that to spin it to make it seem detached right you were there you saw this with me danny yeah, I did see it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know what i mean so that's the whole point you know like whatever your thoughts about it don't don't worry we're not here to talk about whether it's right or wrong i'm just saying is what he did to cover up that no one likes it and they're just kind of ex- and they're not accepting the band or is he like they're just trying to find out where their new place in metal is and eventually they'll find the market for it uh, that could be true I mean this is classic suicide silence um, tale of woe where suicide silence is something differently and instead of them saying to the fans try to accept or see what we did differently and see if you appreciate it or don't like it, that's that's your call Suicide side of it, no, you will like it. If you don't like it, there's obviously something wrong with you and your family hates you and your wife's going to leave you. This guy here is taking the other approach of saying, well, no, no, he's starting off to be like, oh, no, this is what we're trying to do. We're attempting, but no, there's, there's something in there for you heavy guys as well. So just, just be patient, just accept it. So he started better than Suicide Silence, but we'll see how the album fully comes out, how people respond to it. And yeah, we'll go from there. Mm. I'm still a bit apprehensive because I heard one of their songs off their new album and I was like, this is the reason why I got off the band in the first place. They had such an interesting dynamic and original sound when they first came out, but because they went to that pop industry and they took certain cliches from like melodic death metal and that, which are overdone, and I don't think that they're trying to push in the limits. I think they're actually retreating to a space which makes them more accessible and more predictable and that's why i didn't like them that's why i stopped listening to it that album overcome for me when i heard that i'm like okay this is safe this is a label telling the band man you guys need to do more of this because the first album when they first came out was about uh something so different and i thought if they would have expanded that sound it would have been something truly special again it's just my thoughts on the band i um i followed these guys at the early days and just could not do it anymore because i am not into um clean clean vocals all the time and i know they were testing it out but at least then back in the day those guitar tones those guitar ideas and the way the band amalgamated with different time signatures and stuff made sense you're just upset about that never more cover aren't you <laughs> that <sighs> You don't, Let it go. don't take Let it go. one of the most iconic songs, emotional <laughs> songs from the most pivotal band of my existence and then water it down with a song that even Katy Perry would consider too cheesy. You know, again, let's talk about the last track and then talk about our editorial, right? Arch Enemy in the Studio, new album coming this year. That is the segue for our underrated musicians editorial, Danny. So let's get into it. Underrated musicians, we asked the fans today about what they thought at all was a musician 
that is underappreciated, not respected enough, or not even known. It might even be not even liked. You know, we read an article from 2015 on Loudwire. They like to do what we like to do is recycle things like jokes and stuff like that. So they put on their thing today, uh, you know, or so this week that, you know, who are some of the 11 most criminally underrated metal guitarists? We want to go a little bit step, step further and ask our fans, just in general, because we know we want to know who we got to listen to, who we got to keep an eye out for, who are we missing out on, right, Danny? Yeah, exactly right. There is, a, I mean, there's so many bands out there, so many musicians out there, and no one's more unappreciated in the world than jazz musicians. But we're not jazz podcasters; we're heavy metal podcasters. So we're going to focus this segment on unappreciated hard rock and metal. It's good to see on. another industry that literally dedicates at least majority of your time during the day literally you have to take time out of taking a toilet break in order to get that good and still not even break even Alan Holdsworth right until his death wasn't able to pay his bills I heard the same about John Schofield you know who these guys are but these guys spent at least you know every waking hour of their day to perfect scales or notes in that it sounds boring because it is and here they are doing it and um, metal's the same Yeah, it's a craft that comes underappreciated about the amount of technicality and musicianship involved but Unlike other industries like classical, at least you can do like John Williams songs for you know the Iron Man movie, or whatever. Sure, you might not like the movie, but at least you get a nice, healthy pay packet and you get respected as a musician, right? Sure. Metal, not so much. So, who is it, Danny? Who are we talking about today? Well, I guess the segue for Matthew and Archem is uh, Jeff Jeff Loomis. Jeff, but then we have a lot going on here. A lot of our fans came in. There was a very, very motive, I guess. Why very people very passionate about their bands and about what's out there and so we have got good responses thank you for responses and I think mate you've got some names in front of you so take it away please yeah, straight up one of our first ones on our page on Facebook so facebook.com forward slash supermetalbro and on Twitter twitter.com forward slash supermetalbro if you guys want to catch up on the news and all this kind of cool stuff we talk about in our show she went prong they influenced so many great bands like Pantera Slipknot and are one of the hardest working bands in metal still today just look at the back catalog. Tony Victor, sorry, Tommy Victor is amazing. That is all. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I'm not familiar with Prong to be honest too much, but they have a massive following, but not massive enough according to our friend Kaya Elliott. That's true. Uh, the next one is a very controversial one. I could see where he's coming from, but Mel, would you read the name as well, please? Richard Peluso. Yeah. What band? Apparently, it's Metallica. And look, to be fair, we've never covered a Metallica story on this podcast. So, yeah, he's probably they could be underrated because we, we, they're not on our radar. It's tough, man. You know, I get it. Metallica, the other day, we talked about how I think uh, the guitarist had to sell one of his villas, man. I mean, that's $25 million, man. Oh, Can you imagine someone who has to sell their $25 wait, million dollar home? He only got $25 million for that for that that's one. That's it. That's all. Yeah. They said at least twenty-seven million in the article. Oh. That two million dollars is—that's what—that's what does it, mate. Wow. That maybe that maybe the trauma was so much that it was twenty-seven million, but I had to take two million away just to. That extra two million dollars. A lot less than the blow. That two extra two million dollars was two more Anvil documentaries, man. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> two more Anvil documentaries. Oh, wow. Jason Baker, Matt Marotti. I don't know who you're talking about, man. That guy. I mean, I'm glad that someone thinks that guy is underrated because I believe you. That guy thinks that that guy is definitely overrated. Oh, really? I heard. I heard like he's referred is like Jeff Loomis Jr. man you know so big well, things coming well things Jackie coming. Tran said Dan Marotti he would say he's grossly underrated especially in countries like Romania but yeah. Romania is a very hard market to get into it's hard I mean I don't even speak the language for starters yeah but you don't even know where it is so that's nah, even harder still tucked away down there underneath Canada isn't it yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. I think, but, but to be fair with Romania I'm actually trying to break that market and there's actually a, a hashtag trending called hashtag Marotti for Eurovision so check out for that one get me in Eurovision for next year Ryan Whittaker, Hands Like Houses, Our Last Night, and Dream On Dreamer Before They Started Making Crap. Don't know those bands, dude. Yeah, but yeah. that's the whole point, right? Underrated. If exactly I don't know who they right. are, man, i got to set my game up. I am exactly. not Super Metal Brother Matt until I do Ryan Whittaker a favor. I think he's Super Metal Brother Ryan. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, that's yeah. well, we've only got two microphones, Matt, so it's going to be hard now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's why I'm giving up my, my, my gig. Oh, okay. Ryan, take the show, man. Take it on board. Daniel Cedarblad, Dry Kill Logic If They Remains Active. Don't know my man. Seriously, don't know his band. See, this is the problem. This is why we did this show. I don't know what's going on. You know, we are the Super Metal Brothers, and uh, you know, we're not we're not metal enough. We might not even be brothers. This show might be exposing the truth, Danny. Nah, we my even... poll says we're brothers, so All I'm right. okay with that. Fair yeah. enough. Peter Mitchell insert massive list of local arts like or acts. You know, oh, I've uh, heard that band. They're pretty good. Yeah, yeah. That's that's actually reflected with um, you know uh, Mel Bullion, who said the exact same thing. Almost all metal bands have musicians that are underrated purely because they play metal. 
too many mentioned locally and beyond. So there's the same thing that she echoed. Yeah. Uh, agreed. You know, um, just go to a local show and if you're impressed by them, then they're probably underrated, right? Yeah, pretty Sh- much. Seamus Sanford, Ola England from Feared. You're also in the Haunted at the moment. This guy's doing a bit of headway though. He's getting a little bit more recognition. I do agree he's underrated. However, I do think he's popping through. He's got his own YouTube channel where he um, plays video games and stuff as well, listening to certain metal bands and gives reviews on them. It's, it's actually original one like us. So, you know, congratulations to uh, hey, hey, he hasn't got a brother, man. So, no, we... we oh, that's right. He's only super yeah. brother, like, England, but that's what he can do. Yeah, he's exactly. going to be a brother. He might even be a single family, which makes him a loser, doesn't it? Oh, mate. He's got no one to play. That's what he plays video games. He's got no one to play yeah, with. Yeah, exactly. Ouch. He's like, oh, man, I wish I had someone older brother to play with. Oh, oh man. Oh. Well, that's all right, because we've got Josh Rigby from the guys from Unearth, he reckons. Extremely underrated and surprising, not as well known as you'd think. These guys can shred and pull some awesome Adam D-style stage moves. Adam D, guy from Killswitch Engage, likes to rock it, likes to move it. You know, he's got a lot of energy, a lot of passion for the industry, a lot of passion for his playing. Uh, I do know Unearthed a little bit. I would say they're pretty tight musicians. Their songs aren't really for me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Josh. <laughs> but they are good at doing guitar stuff. Excellent. As in like plugging in their leads and stringing up. I guess so. Yeah, got on them. Ryan Fluffy Slippers. Ryan Martini had plenty of success in Mudvayne, but not many people know who he is named or even recognize his skills at a basis. We covered this in our Mudvayne retro review, which you guys can find on our uh, SoundCloud, which is basically the end of all things to come. He was on that. Gave a good you know, show for that. I think he's doing a side project now with the drummer, though. Oh, yeah. I don't it's know. actually a jazz um, oh, fusion yeah. band. Okay. So he is going on, but he ha- I think he has stepped away from the metal Jeez, scene. So he, he's an underrated jazz and metal musician. Wow, he just covered both oh, our worlds. Oh, my God, yeah. that guy. He's, he'd be doubly in debt. <laughs> he just doesn't want people to know him. I just don't <laughs> want anyone to know me as a musician. Um, you know, guys, thank you guys so much. we got a bit of homework to do to, to catch up to our super metal fans right now. You know, the bros and sisters out there are making us show how much metal industry right now is underappreciated. Because if we don't know who they are, then that's a problem. It must be, man. I mean, to be fair, there it's are... It's not because of our laziness Never. or our inability to actually click left on the Google like, tab <laughs> or on YouTube. You know, we could have we gone to the extra effort of finding who these bands were before we started the show, but we didn't, nah, Danny. that takes a different level of person, and we're not that person. But just imagine if we did, right? Just imagine how good this show would be right now if we actually took the hard-earned time to connect with our fans more and actually listen to these guys so they aren't underrated anymore, so we can actually grieve with them through their pain and their loss. Well, I don't think I can do any more grieving. Winter's coming and I can't get too depressed. Yeah, I'm too sad right now anyway. But while we're in that sad space, Danny, let's kind of milk (laughs) it out for another 10 more minutes. Who, for you, is underrated? I think I've been saying this since we started this podcast and even before that. To me, I think Cynthia X still don't get the credit they deserve as a band. And they still... I haven't seen them headline gigs. I haven't seen them, yeah, on really big festivals that much and if they are they're tucked away down on the bottom line so for me Symphony X for some reason consistently seem to be ignored or underappreciative uh, worldwide it's it's beyond me but that's, yeah. that's for me I would think the same thing you know it's uh, obviously Nevermore uh, before they broke up was one of the most underrated bands Jeff Loomis everyone knows he is now he's kind of a staple in the metal industry but in life he should be recognised as the awesome songwriter he is uh, he's in Arch Enemy right now, so he's getting the payback he deserves. But because he's not running his own ship, he's not the songs. We aren't getting his quality of songs, which I think uh, he could really contribute to uh, society, not just in metal. I think he's that good of a musician, and I think it's uh, a crime that he's uh, in a band such like that. I said the same thing about Golder and Demi Borgia. I consider his stuff in Old Man's Child to be a league above most metal. Uh, it's just amazing how he goes into writing songs, and I don't think he's tapped into as good as creative process can be when he's with Demi because I think he has now a couple of eyes. I think Shagrath now would have a lot of say into the way songs are written. And um, yeah, they're kind of my, my my things. However, bands like Dark Game with Christopher, the guy on guitars, he, can be playing, he was playing Steve Vai covers. You know, I'm like, dude, Steve Vai was considered an alien from another planet and here's him just going through the motions with it, you know. Uh, there's a couple of others like guys like Matt Wookland from, uh, you know, God forbid I really consider them really good guitarists. Item Obscura. You know, list goes on and on. Um, if you guys want to hit me up on Facebook, I'm happy to bore you to tears with it. But I guess we can move on to our next presentation. Hmm. Cool. So thank you guys for uh, jumping on for Facebook. I really appreciate you guys taking the time of your day to respond to it. And I hope you guys have actually found out other bands that you might like through other friends. I, I really like on our wall, Danny, when we see fans connecting with other fans. I actually saw a couple of times now people who don't know each other, but they're kind of on our wall and they're like talking about bands they like and they kind of bounce ideas of each other. And all of a sudden we've created a hive mind. And I think that's really important in today's society. 
Definitely. It's all about community, right? And to make up the word community, you have to have you in it, mate. So you are the biggest part of the community, man. If you want to be part of the metal community, if you want to share yourself out there, just get on board and get sharing. I don't know we could be so revolutionary and transcending from doing absolutely nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm sitting up. Yeah. That's, I'm not lying down. Our, our posh is pretty good. We've got yeah. Mike Lewis at a great... We've got uh, a good yeah, company. I think you're underrating us, Matthew, as our podcast metal guys from Adelaide. I think I am. So what we're here now to do is talk about our CD review for the week. So let's go. CD reviews don't really get this heavy or this satanic. Or is it satanic? Well, that's what we're here to find out. We are talking about the latest CD review from the band called Beggarith. This one's called ADAM. Is it Adam and Eve story? Who knows? I think it might be, mm. but I also think that it's got a very sinister twist to it. Yeah, definitely right. Um, it's very interesting because if you look at all the track names, they're all like ADAM1. We'll just say Adam because it's pretty much Adam. So Adam1, Adam2, all right up to Adam10. So it's just very peculiar it's very very easy for us could we just say number one number two number three but from some of the lyrics we have seen or a bit of the blurb regarding this album it's all about their philosophy about how god created uh humans and god created a human in his own image but like how he said goes how can you god create humans your image when us humans are so flawed and we go around like screwing everything up or just fucking everything and going like that because how how could you say that you have done replicate yourself in man because we're so flawed. And like, oh, that's something to talk about, I guess. So, Hell yeah. yeah. And I'm, that's what we're here to talk about. But before we get into the nitty gritty on the CD, whether it be themes of theology, philosophy, or just about masturbating over how great the evil is in the world, who knows? Mm. We're going to talk about the band. Begareth recorded an album, the album, sorry, uh, some of the earlier stuff in Vladiskov. Vlad? Vladis, Vladivostok. Vladivostok. A name in Poland. It's somewhere in Poland, right? That's where yeah, they record yeah. it. And now this is famous for recording bands like Vader, Hate, Black and Death Metal Band, and of course, Behemoth. We know Behemoth, man. We've heard Behemoth, right? So you know where this band's coming from in that kind of style, going to the right places to do it. They've they've been on tour with bands like Behemoth, Vader, Cataclysm, Therion, Arcona, Marduk, Napalm, Death, a lot of heavy bands in that, yeah. believe me. Uh, in mid-19... Sorry, in the mid-2015, the band announced a platform, VK.com, the release of the second album, which is of the year. Begareth was initially assigned to as black metal. That's when they first kind of started out. But I can definitely say on this album, it's black and death metal. I guess all this tour is with Behemoth and Hate and stuff like that. Sorry, Behemoth and I guess Marduk and Apon Death and all that. It got more into a death metal scene, which is fine, you know, expands the sound. Now, that's about all you'll really find about this band because they are a black and death metal band. And of course, it comes with the whole mystery about it. Um, great for you know that kind of ambience and uh, that, but it's not really good for uh, marketability because when no one knows who you are and no one knows where to buy your stuff, it gets tough. But by some sort of freak, I went onto YouTube and got connected with these guys through someone stealing the album and putting it up to receive ad revenue, and uh, I ended up buying it because I liked it that much. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, these guys here are so underground that they are the combination of black and jazz musicians that they are just kind of that away from each other, away from society. Maybe that's what we want. Maybe they like it that way. They just want to do this thing on a size, bit of fun, but they don't really want to make anything from it. Who knows? Or I like to think that right now we might have the answers to if the CD is really, really good. Or maybe something that uh, you might want to consider leaving out on and buying for something else, you know? So let's talk about our five-step process when reviewing CDs, right? Me and Danny like to go through the thing called the five-step Supermodel Bros quality assurance, right? The first thing we want to talk about is the riffs, second vocals, third diversity, fourth group, five production. May seem long, but you have to understand the amount of clinical thought that goes into this can make sure that you're a happy, satisfied customer or someone who just drops that to Coles. You know what I mean? Mm, yes. So first up, riffs, Danny. What do you think of the riffs off this album from ADAM? From ADAM, they have a lot of really tough, chunky riffs in this album. I mean, this album is definitely like the first, more so the first tracks are very hard and heavy, more like, Deathy, the, the second half of the album is more like Blackie and Doomy. Mm. But those those heavy riffs are freaking awesome, man. Especially tracks two and five, a bit of nine. They are just really, really great hard yeah. riffs. We, we kind of touched on this before with guys like Balfour and stuff that we covered at the start of the year where it's kind of like they've got the good sense of ambience and like a presence about them. But these guys go that one extra step and that's have engaging riffs, you know. A lot of those kind of like evil octaves going on bit of that shred that's just really nice to hear and, you know, some chunky rhythms. The inclusion as well when they're doing some dark uh, dark lines on their guitars, whether it be tremolo or, 
or staccato riffs with those um, melodies like from the string sections and stuff like that. But it's all very sinister, very evil, but very mm. tough as well. Sometimes almost like dancing and hypnotic. Some of these riffs go through cycles of different time signatures, but it seems to make sense, which... Uh, I I really I really dig it. It's all very very like just ugly and dark and oh I just I just yeah. love it. Yeah, that's why they have these like like nice scales they use and they like combine like these semitone clash type stuff to really give that tension that evenness to the album. Blast beat centrals as you expect. Um, a couple of solos only when they think it's required. Even though the songs are quite long, they don't really use solos that much. Yeah, I don't really care for much of the solos because I really just ah. absorb myself with all those heavy, chunky ass riffs. You know, track five has these this like little scaly pan, then goes into this really nice harmony. But it just goes through this cyclic progression, and, it's, and it just throws all these curveballs at you. But uh, all in the meantime, making sure it's just devouring and conquering everything in your in its way, and it uh, puts in a fantastic move when you're driving. Man, I reckon it's just, yeah. you just got to crank it every time. You know just speeding the whole lot just 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 take it on board yeah. but like I said you also do have those like doomy black riffs in the second half which you expect just a long drawn out yeah every now and then at the end of each second bar you might have a couple of quick um, notes or chords played to break it up but you still have that slow methodic approach but I really liked him you know I found that this was engaging in the sense that I think fans of the Satanist album by Behemoth will really take to this album because of that, you know? Like the last track, for example, much more slower in its intro. But I think what they do is choose very strong guitar arpeggios and chords and that to give you a sense that it's very foreboding the whole time. It's not just uh, self-indulging where they're just doing something to, to set up. Uh, yeah, we're a doom metal band. These are songs that sound evil hmm. and uh, the riffs complement that aggression and they write really, really well. I mm. really think... I think it does borrow heavily some of these riffs from black and death metal bands, but their contribution is that they involve different ideas like time signatures and different instrumentation. However, I think it's very familiar for bands like guys... The riffs are very familiar for people like Hate, like you know Behemoth, especially in that Demigod kind of pro program there in that area as well. Yeah, no, definitely right. So definitely good variation of the riffs. Um, drumming is like solid. I think he, he brings a lot of... Really great new ideas, but he has, what he does, he does quite well. And if it's a song, so. So, yeah, we'll go into uh, vocals before we get into the drums. So, we'll go into okay. the vocalists. Black and Death Metal, I think you kind of know what you're going to expect for it, Danny. What's important about his style, though? What does he add to such a foreboding and dark, aggressive yeah, guitar tone? I definitely. I mean, his tone is awesome. I mean, like, his his growl is just like on point. Like, you, hear, you if you want a death metal growl, you just use this guy or Black and Death Metal. You just want to hear this guy because this guy's great. And. When they layer it, like in track five and stuff, man, that is so evil. It's oh. pretty awesome. I, I, you, can't, you do yourself a disservice by not listening to this album above, 100, honestly, 110 decibels. If you can hear a plane, if you're in the airport in a plane and you can hear it taking off and you can't hear your CD, it's not loud enough. Like literally, yeah. this thing is just going to devour you. And the, the vocalist, he does those really cool rhythms all the time. He never oversaturates guitar songs. I think death metal vocalists are guilty of oversinging. Um, you know, at times, because, it, and for me, it doesn't add anything because it's like, you know, just a, a rhythm that just unintelligible. But this guy here, when he comes in, he lets guitar lines, like certain sections, breathe for quite a long end, you know, and it gives a really good chance for you to really absorb when he does come in and do this really attacky style, dark clarity almost, but I guess it's not really that important because the ambience is, is more important. Yeah, no, it's just, it was, it was really, um, yeah. Great, great tonage. Uh, Perfect. Great. Yeah, just great. I think we'll leave it at that because it, it's just he does everything quite well. Yeah. Uh, diversity on the record. It is a black and death metal album. So the diversity comes from subtleties from when they break it up between the different genres of evilness. I think that's really important to outline is that this is a very, very heavy album and it's a very dark album. It doesn't let up. Uh, that's a challenging listen for a lot of people, I mm. think, because uh, I think when you listen to something happy for a long time, I think you can, like generally with pop music, I listen to that a lot of stuff at work and uh, it just kind of blends in and uh, it's not offensive. This is very challenging, not only in the themes, the lyrics, but also in the music because it's dark. And yeah. uh, if you can stick the whole way through it, I mean, I think there's some sort of metal for not trying to commit suicide in it, I think. It just, yeah, it does. The first, again, five, five or so tracks are quite relentless, quite fast-paced, and they try to bleed into more of the doomy, slower stuff. But by that stage, you're pretty fatigued and you need that slowness to help get you back into it what i really like about the way this guy writes or the band writes is that they give you so many different ideas and 
they challenge themselves, it sounds like, when it comes to writing songs, you know? There's a lot of different changes in time signatures, uh, the way they go about arpeggios, tremolos, uh, you know, riffs, melodies, all that kind of stuff. Mm. I do find that one thing is that the tuning seems to be in the same sort of thing, so I think that might help them stay in a certain context, and that's okay. I do like when bands like to stretch their songwriting out a little bit and just find another way of doing it however that's a very very minor nitpick on overall what is a very very uh, immersive dark heavy album yeah definitely and can go back to diversity as well they they do do a, a little bit of the add the charts and the um synthesizers in there yeah. as well to give it that whole big epic doomy evil sound yeah I, you get that certain instrumentation like some strings some uh that kind of stuff like that uh, some pause, you yeah. know that real like oh man this is so epic it's yeah. like, you know, it's going into like the Church of Satan and just, you know, asking for a glass of wine, but getting your your, your face burnt off and uh, pitchforked up the ass or something. Just yeah. perfect. You that's, know? that's the amazing thing that his vocals go back to his vocals. That I can't understand what drove it, but you always hear Satan. It's like, for some reason, they really want you to hear the hell word. Or Satus, which or might Satus just be like maybe. crisps or something, but we're just yeah. not really bad at translating it. Yeah, it could be, yeah. Um, I really, yeah, look... The thing is, if you love your dark and heavy music, this here is just going to be the the soundtrack to your life. I think it's um, the way these tracks are put together is, is very intelligent. They were very methodical in how they were going to get about creating such a dark sound. And you can hear so many influences mm. here and so many ideas chucked together. And uh, it never seems like a formula. It always seems like they're mm. just trying to do another thing inside of the, yeah, this is going to be the album, the context. And that is about how people are just warped and distorted it maybe in the image of god or uh, maybe they're just yeah. or maybe they're just kind of throwing up a mirror to society itself and saying like you guys are always been evil and you're using god as this platform to kind of do it again it's not like you know this is how this is the way it is you're not saying that you know this is the truth you know it's, it's just picture. the way it's just, it's how you interpret the picture exactly yeah. right they set it up with a whole entire paragraph which i'm not going to read but it's on their website and um i think you do should too. in order to really get into this album <laughs> it really gets you a sense of uh what, what to expect eh, Danny? Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, should go to Groove, I guess. Yeah, yeah, again, now, obviously, with Groove, Death Metal, you would understand that blast beats are plentiful, you know, and in fact, a lot of people in black metal don't like it for that reason. It's much more technical and more guitar wanky. Now, people might say the same about black metal, where it's un- 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 you can't even hear it, you know, the productions are very raw, uh, the playing's a little bit sloppier, I guess. Um, but I think what these guys do is perfect, is it's found a way of incorporating all these dark elements of such heavy and frenetic, um, I guess you could call them classes of metal, but like you said, there's so much to groove about this album, man. There's so many times where they bring it back from a blast beat to something that you can really enjoy, you can move to, you know, your body can actually genuinely absorb and headbang to or thrash your neck around, you know. Uh, yeah, I, re- I really think, again, this grooves on the album, man. Yeah, it is grooves, but again, going back to the Doomy side, but they try to create that feel and the ambience, and they do cry. They do the classic build-up tension, break tension type things. Feel like uh, they'll, use, they'll they'll repeat the same riff, but keep adding more instrumentation to it to build up, and then they'll break it down. So it's all about creating that intensity and chaos. I find that that's most similar to the Behemoth Saintness album. That was recognised, I think, as taking going against the grain of death metal, black and death metal at the time, or even metal in, at the time in general. And I think that's why people, so many people, liked it because it seemed revolutionary and. Uh, you know, it was a classic way of expressing one suffering, like he was going through cancer, chemo, and all that kind of stuff like that. And people found that it actually felt like he was really going through that and they could connect to that suffering. And I think these guys do the same thing with the grooves. I think they set it up with what they do. With, when you read their, their blogs and stuff and you hear the album, I think it, it comes across really well. And uh, Groovy as Hell went up in parts. Again, like you said, Danny, there's blackmail elements where it's just a thrash and, you know, blast beat with chords and stuff. And there's some of those really open sections where it's doomy, but uh, there's plenty of times for you to headbang. Yeah, and there's actually one melodic riff in there as well, which was quite nice. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's there. <laughs> it's got to look hard oh, for it's it. Very short, very very small, very small. I guess we'll finish off with production. Yeah. Um, the one thing that it comes across with metal is that uh, I, I think honesty right now is one thing I'm looking forward to listening to when I'm reviewing albums. Overproduction is a curse. Or and a blessing, you know. Uh, I think it can work in people's favor, like with Sugar, for example, when they create a very heavy tone before the last album. Yeah, I think they're doing it with Obsan and uh, even before that. Uh, but then you overproduce, which I think with the Legion might be guilty of, where everything really sounds micromanaged and not enough time for you to hear a human element to it. 
This here, however, is very human. It's very organic. The playing, uh, you can hear them speeding up, slowing down. You can hear certain notes that aren't picked as uh, with enough precision and accuracy or whatever, but um, the meaning's always there, the intention's always there, and uh, the, the rawness of the production really attributes to how evil this thing sounds. Yeah, and the album like, blends together well. Like, they have their two halves and how they transition from the songs, but even the songs themselves, how they transition internally between different segments of each song is quite well written mm. and quite well put together. So these guys, oh, they're, they're very talented people. We'd like to attribute who they are, but funny enough, you read the book and it's called Bigger with One, Bigger with Two. It's like yeah. bananas and pajamas. Yeah. So I can't even give a shout out to who these members are. These guys are so secretive; they won't even give you their names. It's like, it's like ghosts, but eviler. Yeah. The only time, the only thing you're gonna find is them on Bandcamp, and so you can buy the CD in a. I don't think you can buy a hard copy even. It's all audio, dude. This thing is tough to get a hold of and know yeah. who these guys are. But hopefully, we've done these guys justice by just putting these guys over because I think right now this is one of my favorite albums of the year. I have a strong feeling it might be in the top five at the end of the year. Uh, it's exactly what I look forward to in music. I'm a black and death metal fan right now. It's where I'm at. And uh, this is the stuff that I've been dying to get a hold of, but finding it really hard to hear at this kind of level because there's so many imitators. But I think these guys here are standing up above it all and uh, doing something new with a, with a certain style that might have felt like it was getting overused. Yeah, that's good. No, they definitely do it. They do it well. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, if you're a fan of black and death metal or you're a fan of death metal uh, black or even black metal, whatever, uh, I think you should give these guys a real listen. You know, these guys are evil. They're not commercial. They're not going to be selling out any um, download festival anytime soon. Hell, they don't even know what one is. But what's more important is that you're going to have a great time listening to this CD. It's evil. It's heavy. It's going to put a nail on your face and it's going to give you a, a speeding ticket in the mail. So... Loved it. Can't recommend this album enough to people out there who, who are Behemoth fans, hate fans, um, you know, the whole lot. Your Dimmu fans can really get into this as well, you know, symphonic black metal fans, all that kind of stuff. Uh, really dig it. Go check it out. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely um, one of those first people. Oh, with that, we're at the end of our show. Thank you guys for checking in tonight. You know, uh, If you want to catch more of our stuff, head over to SoundCloud. Uh, we've got a whole thing on there, all the episodes. We've got retrospective CD reviews, um, interviews as well. We're going to be doing a few more of those over the next couple of months. Um, and more importantly, yeah, we're on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash supermetalbro or on Twitter, twitter.com forward slash supermetalbro. If you guys want us to review a CD or cover a certain news story or even do an editorial where we want you to when you want us to cover a certain topic, you know, we love it. You know, uh, we've done a couple of them in the past and we get a blast out of hearing what fans have to say and, you know, helping us inform our opinion and hopefully we can uh, get out to you guys as well. Definitely. More uh, community orientated, more input, the better. And with that, it's the end of the show. Thank you guys so much for listening. I am Super Metal Brother Matt. And do you remember remember my name? As I throw through your life, about a thousand words I have known. Which makes makes me Super Metal Brother Dan. Deep purple, guys. Gotta love that stuff. We talked about it last week. Make sure you check it out. Until then, see you next week.